0: Welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. And let me tell you, my friends, some days, the baseball god just smile upon you. If you cannot tell, I'm in an excellent mood. Fresh off, an exhilarating night last night. And this is the great thing about baseball. Being 162 games. Because let me tell you, Sunday, I was watching that game. And, oh, oh, oh. Old Mitch Kaminsky was pretty pissed off. We are playing the Royals and, uh, we don't see from the mound. Who uh, came on the High Heater podcast, uh, Unhinged Sports uh, Networks uh, baseball show? I was a guest on that, and they asked us just to give us a uh, a hot take, I guess, before the season. And they said Dylan sees could be a Cy Young candidate, throwing it way out there. And I'm a White Sox homer, so I mean, you know, I, it makes sense. But if you watch him during spring training, it would make sense. Uh, I, I mean, there was some merit behind it. It wasn't just me throwing it out there to be completely crazy. He he was looking good, working with Ethan Katz anyway. So he's pitching this game. It's a day game. Uh, and it was a roller coaster of a ball game, uh, scoreless throughout. Uh, Cease is pitching pretty good. He gets pulled after four and a third. Uh, Carlos Rodon, or excuse me, not Carlos Rodon, Michael Kopech has to come into the game. And you already, I've talked about it on this podcast before, all that Michael Kopech said, Kopech said to overcome. He was electric. Uh, seven hitters up, seven hitters down. It's looking pretty good for our boys. We bring it into the bullpen. Uh, Aaron Bummer comes in the game. He blows it. Gives up the lead. It's like, oh, Jesus, come on, Aaron. I mean, that's another bad start. And he's supposed to be a good pitcher, too. Then we get bailed out, eighth inning. They pinch hit Andrew Vaughn. And I'm sitting there like, Tony, what the hell are you doing? Andrew Vaughn's a first-round draft pick. Adam Eaton's, he's Adam Eaton. And what does Adam Eaton do? He goes and proves me wrong, makes me look like a jackass for complaining about it. He ropes a two-run, uh, home, pinch hit home run. The Yerminator... Uh by the way, and I'm I'm all over the map here. The German Mercedes that game, 3 walks. He started the rally. He's a beast. He cannot be stopped. So, anyway, pinch hit home run from Adam Eaton. They go up 3 to 2, heading to the ninth, I'm texting my buddy. It's like, "Oh yeah, Liam Hendricks is coming in, our 54 million dollar closer. We got it in the bag. This is going to be a great come from behind victory." It is all but locked up. And what does Liam Hendricks do? <laughs> he gets two strikes. And Carlos Santana and then he absolutely grooves a fastball down the middle, which gets launched into center field. Lead gone, blown save, chalked up for Liam Hendricks. <laughs> I am mad, boy. We we got ripped off. It's like, what the hell are we paying this bum for giving up a home run? It's already the second home run he's given up in two appearances. He's given up three runs, and he 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 looks terrible. He looks terrible. He could barely get out of the inning. He couldn't put any one away. It goes to extra innings. That stupid extra inning rule. I hate that rule. We make another error in the 10th. We lose the game. I'm furious. I'm driving home from Chicago because I was up that weekend, and I was not happy. (laughs) I was mad at my White Sox. And then what do you know? Wednesday, three days later, I wake up with a whole new attitude on my White Sox because Carlos Rodon threw the 20th no-hitter in franchise history. And, you know, good for Carlos. I mean, this is another guy, very likable personality. These White Sox teams got a ton of them. But it's another one with a very interesting backstory. For those of you the casual fans, you're not like a diehard White Sox fan, but this guy has had to overcome too. Uh, it's kind of it almost reminds me a little bit of like Kopech's arc to hear, but he he's been in the league a lot longer and in a little bit different circumstances. But he's drafted uh, third overall in the 2014 draft. He's passed up by Houston. He's passed up by the Marlins, and he was very upset about that. He, you know. Um, he came out of North Carolina State, and he had this—he had set a school record for 436 career strikeouts. Uh, it was just the fourth pitcher in Atlantic Coast Conference history to record 400 strikeouts. So, very highly regarded prospect here. He thought he should have went number one overall. Pitching with a chip on his shoulder, gets the White Sox. Obviously, lofty expectations placed upon him. This is a guy that's supposed to be their future ace, and he starts off decent. You know, he had a, he had. T- Tied a, uh, he came in second, I think, in White Sox history for rookies and strikeouts. I think he had 136 his rookie year. And he starts to run into some arm problems. He has some shoulder soreness. Misses a season. Comes back uh, with left shoulder inflammation. In 2018, he returns from shoulder surgery, but he missed half of the season there. 2019, he's supposed to be the opening day starter. It's like, all right, he's finally going to turn this thing around. He just missed half of last year. This is where This is where we go. And he only made 7 starts. Goes down with Tommy John's surgery, So he has to miss the rest of that season. So that is his third season that he's missed significant time due to injury. There's some questions about his work ethic during the offseason. Is this guy why is he always getting hurt? There's talks he didn't put in any effort during the offseason. He was just busy hunting. Didn't do a whole lot of throwing programs. So now the patience is running thin. 2020 comes. expected to compete. And he only pitched 4 games. Shoulder shortness. Missed a bunch of starts. Uh, he only made 2 starts that season. And so the White Sox, they wash their hands of the whole thing, like, hey, this guy's got talent, it looked like they were done with him, uh, they, de- they 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 uh, non-tender him, so it looks like he's gone. And then in a surprise move, but maybe not so surprising if you know the White Sox, they bring him back on a one-year, $3 million deal. And the initial fan reaction was, wow, the White Sox just played it cheap, we could be out there getting a real fifth starter, and we're bringing back Carlos Rodon, who cannot stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. We know there's talent there, we've seen it, but he can't stay healthy, we're trying to contend. Why are we spending money on him to make him our fifth starter? It seemed like a typical White Sox cheap move. And Carlos Rodon, while well, the money was guaranteed, no, that was just about all that was guaranteed for him. He still had to earn a job over Ronaldo Lopez in spring training. And what do you know? He gets the new pitching coach, Ethan Katz. They start working on his lower half. They're like, hey, you gotta get, get, make it a little more explosive. Get your legs involved more. Take some pressure off his shoulder. The results look good in spring training. 136 ERA in spring training. Not too bad. Pretty, pretty good. They're like, well, it's just spring training. could be a fluke. Blows Ronaldo Lopez out of the water. He wins that job. Comes in as the fifth starter this season. First start in Seattle. Looked very good. He was supposed to pitch a couple nights ago. Stomach flu. Gets scratched. Comes in here. And it was funny because my buddy was at this game. And he texted me beforehand. He's like, damn, I thought I was going to see Lance Lynn pitch. Wanted to see, you know, obviously Lance Lynn. He, he's a third ace, if you will, of the White Sox. Just traded for him. I would have wanted to see Lance Lynn pitch, too. It's Carlos Rodon. And what does Carlos Rodon do? He goes out there, and he is two outs away from a perfect game. Throws the game of his life. Gets the 20th no-hitter in White Sox history. 114 pitches. No walk, Seven strikeouts. Just a marvelous performance by him. I, I, I could not be more happy. because you, I just told you everything this guy has had to overcome. And he's finally starting to live up To those lofty expectations, and honestly, you don't need him to be an ace anymore. As the fifth starter of this team, like and obviously, you don't expect him to go out there throwing a no hitter every day. But if he can give you that production, like he did that first start in Seattle, like five innings, no runs, something along those lines, and this is what we're getting out of him, Carlos Duran, starting finally starting to arrive. This White Sox team could be turning a corner, man. That's going to be a deep rotation. Like, watch out. That is scary. By the way, Dylan Cease. You know, he, he still looked decent, too. He's taking steps in the right direction. Even if he doesn't have it figured out, we got Michael Kopeck waiting in the wings who's yet to give a run. But for Carlos Rodon, just incredible. And what really impressed me, too, if you haven't heard his post-game press conference or he was getting interviewed, uh, it is worth a listen because the guy was so chill, like, surprisingly chill. He throws him the headset. hey, guys, what's up? He just pitched the game of his life, and he's out there cracking jokes, <laughs> being sarcastic. He came across as very likable. Um... I, I was impressed. I mean, very humble, funny. He had some great one-liners. The first thing that they asked him was, uh, "What's on your mind right now?" And he's like, "Ah, toe ball," because he hit Carlos Perez in the ninth inning. Which, by the way, he probably should have moved out of the way. Uh, you know, perfect game attack. It's like, come on. He claims he didn't know that it was a perfect game. I find that hard to believe. But I will not be too upset about that because like, you don't want to be a team that's like gives up a perfect game. So you know, I don't blame him for moving out of the way, like not moving out of the way. I was mad, still am mad that he didn't. Because I think Carlos would have gotten it. It was lining up too, because we the first batter of that Jose Abreu had to make a fantastic play. It was a slow chopper. He had to literally slide into first and do the splits to beat a diving. Cleveland. Uh, I think it was Tyler Naylor. I believe it was maybe not Tyler. It was some guy named Naylor. But yeah, he just beat it at first. It was a really nice play. It was like that because like every no hitter, perfect game, you have that one defensive play. One defensive play that stands out that shows, like the Mark Burley one was Dwayne Wise one, catch. Uh, I remember, um, I believe it was Hunter Penn, or not Hunter Penn. who was it? For the Giants, There's like a diving play in right field and Matt Kane's perfect game. There's always like the one defensive gem. And so it looked like the Jose Abreu play was going to be that one, and... Um, yeah, and unfortunately he, he just missed perfect game. Still got the no hitter though, so congratulations, Carlos, on that. Uh, that that is awesome. He he's really earned it. Um. He's come a long way. But yeah, definitely take, take a listen. One of my favorite ones. They're talking about, like, when did you know it was going to happen? And he goes, uh, Jose Ramirez. I was throwing him a fastball. He knew I was throwing him a fastball. The whole stadium knew I was throwing him a fastball. Some dog in Kentucky knew I was throwing him a fastball. And then he roped one, like, 172 miles an hour and it was caught. It's like, okay, well, luck might be on my side. So, uh, Congratulations to Carlos Rodon. And it was refreshing, too, in that post-game interview. You get to see a little bit of, uh, you, you know, you're, you're used to these vanilla answers. It was nice to see a little bit of character in that. Speaking of character and answers, this is kind of another side one. I, I was reading this earlier this week, and I actually kind of love it. Uh, it was Ben Simmons talking about Defensive Player of the Year Award. And he's talking about <laughs> Rudy Gobert. And he's like, yeah, I, I think I'm a better defender than Rudy Gobert. He just came out straight up and said it. I can guard more positions. And I actually agree with Ben Simmons on this one. Like, and I'm not a big Ben Simmons fan, but I love that. I think we need more athletes given those unfiltered takes because it was great. Everyone's always trying to be way too respectful. And what's funny about that, too, is i "All do respect to him. He's a good defender. But uh, when we played him, I kind of scored a career-high 42 points. <laughs> so it's like no disrespect, but he completely disrespected him. He's like, hey, yeah, and I can guard more positions. I'm not just camping under the rim blocking shots. So Ben Simmons, I, I, I agree with him. That's a scary-looking team, too, because they can defend. They just beat the Nets last night, and the Nets were not at full strength, but uh, um, that's a team that could be legit. I still am a little wary on the Nets just because, like, in the playoffs, when, like, and I said this is when they first came, like, they don't play enough defense. And in the, in the playoffs, those, those scoring opportunities are going to be harder to come by. We've seen James Harden multiple occasions shrivel in the playoffs, and now he's not getting the calls for the free throws, you know, so they're going to need to make some stops, and they don't have a stopper. So that was, we'll see uh we'll see what happens there, but um, uh, you know, what are you what are you gonna do? But yeah, um yeah, back to the White Sox, man. Yerman Mercedes, the Yerminator. This man, this is a fun nugget, and I swear I'll stop talking about the White Sox after this. He he started nine games, four of those he's had at least three hits. That is that is incredible. At some point it's not even just a fluke either. Three hits in four of his nine games. And by the way, one of the games he didn't get three hits was that Sunday game, and he walked three times because they pitched around him. OBP guy. He's, the, he's one of the few guys that's been consistently hitting for this team. He's trying to make up for the Eloy loss as much as possible, and that's what's going to get lost from the Carlos Rodon performances. He had another multi-hit game. He had three hits in that one, and he hit a home run. He launched one. It was onto the concourse, basically. So that was cool. There's another team on the other side of town though, that's not hitting, the Chicago Cubs, man. This is, this is getting ugly. It's getting to the point where I think if you're, you've got to start selling people off, because it's starting to become a trend, and we talked about it last week, but it's like becoming glaringly obvious that this is no longer just a long slump. This is who these guys are. They cannot hit. It's bad. Over the first 10 games of the season was the worst stretch of any Cubs team in hit, and this Cubs team has been around so a long time, over 100 years. Any Cub team, including the Dead Ball Era, this is the lowest batting average in any 10 game stretch. Not just the first 10, but any, middle season, any 10 game stretch. Worst batting average in Cubs franchise history, which is baffling to me. And you got Anthony Rizzo who wants an extension. Uh, you got Javier Baez that wants an extension. If I'm the Cubs, why would I extend these guys? I think, I think Rick. I'll be honest. I think Ricketts and Jed Hoyer. I almost think it's a little uh. It kind of reminds me of Major League. I almost think they hope they're losing so they have an excuse to start selling off everyone and start tearing this thing down and cutting costs. They're secretly rooting for all these strikeouts. It's it's ugly. It's not. Yeah, that that team is. It's painful to watch. Almost it was runners in scoring position too, which the White Sox have been equally as bad in runners in scoring position. They were one for fifteen in that one Sunday game I was talking about, which was frustrating. But uh, you know, at least their offense comes in spurts. This is Cubs team, man, it's, uh, it's 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 like a slog. And I think it, you know, and all these Cubs fans are upset that Anthony Rizzo got like lowballed. I'm starting to think that the Cubs knew what they were doing there because I think his best years are behind him. We've seen the peak for these guys, and that was 2015, 16. And I think what a lot of people thought was 2015, 16, they're just getting started. They'd only get better. I think that's, that we, we saw the peak. That's the best they're gonna get. They're not going to be so. Maybe silver lining because they're performing so poorly. You can bring them back on cheaper deals, and maybe add some more pieces around them if you really want to do that. But I don't see bringing them all back if you're just going to be running this thing back because it doesn't look. It's going to get worse before it gets better, especially with that bullpen. There's only they're kind of running on fumes. There's really a bunch of no names there. They don't have the pitching. It's just, yeah. Uh, it's going to be that'll be tough. We'll see. We'll see how it uh, turns out. Um, for them, though. It's not a great situation. We now bring on Patrick Cushman, who is joining us once again. And Pat, we'll start with you. Know, You're a fellow White Sox fan with me. Uh, Carlos Redondo was a no-hitter last night. And you know there was a lot of fans that were th- th- upset that he came back, and I was talking about that beforehand, how it was kind of like a typical... You know, when the, the, the news is first route, I think the initial reaction was like, oh, wow, a typical White Sox move, playing it cheap. Uh, but he's been proving fans wrong, and it was a nice performance from last night. What are your thoughts on Carlos Rodon and his, his historic performance?
1: Yeah, well, you know, last year at the end of the postseason when we reviewed the season, you know, I said C- Carlos Rodon does have talent. Um, but, you know, it's time for him to move on in Chicago. I didn't think. You know, mentally he was all there and you know, baseball is a very big mental game and he needed a new, um, setting, kind of a fresh start somewhere else. And maybe he could find his talent there. Um, but Carlos Rodan has proven me wrong. Um, he played very well in the spring. Um, you know, he kind of had up. you know, I think he only got like a one year, very minimum contract to return. And I think the expectation was is he would start off the season in the fifth spot and eventually Kopech would take that over but he lit up the spring he did very well in this first start and he just threw a no hitter so maybe he is realizing that now because you know there was a time where he was the number one pitching prospect in the Sox system um, and he has shown that he is able to be an able starter um, unfortunately in- injuries have hindered that um, a little bit the past few seasons but it's good to see him get back on track.
0: You know, we had, and this is kind of a little bit of a side note here, the new extra inning rules. The White Sox have been in two of them. They've lost both of those games. Tony LaRusso has come out and said he's in favor of the rule. I personally think it's a little gimmicky, and I think the road team almost kind of has an advantage, it seems like, and if you look at the numbers, the road team wins the majority of those, especially watching the one Sunday, uh, or even the even the one with Giolito and Bieber. They were in a great pitching duel, and it just seems like you, you break up the flow of the game by doing the ghost runner on on second. I'm not a huge fan of it. What are your thoughts on the extra inning rule?
1: I yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's gimmicky. I mean, this isn't you know a twelve view you know tournament where with a two hour time limit on it. I mean, you know, this is Major League Baseball, and who cares if it takes you know twenty minutes longer? And this is what Major League Baseball is trying to do. Is they're trying to you know speed up this game, um, you know, try to create more drama. And you see sports all over the all over the country. Um, You see NASCAR do it. You see NBA do it. Um, All these sports are trying to, you know, get more excitement. They're trying to create more excitement and more drama and beat up the game and stuff. Um, And, you know, that might bring in, you know, this younger generation of, you know, fans, or, you know, it might bring in more casual fans. The fact is, you know, Major League Baseball, who has relied on traditional fans, relied on, you know, traditional values. I mean, this is America's game. And, you know, to see them, like, play with the gimmicky, and you see now with the gimmicky jerseys, um, with the time limits, with the pitcher restrictions, um, you know, this is all just, it's all just, you know, something to generate excitement and to speed up the game, and I'm not in favor of it at all.
0: Finally, with Rick, or I, I shouldn't say Rick, I almost said Rick Renteria, but he's been managing like Rick Renteria, Tony La Russa, and we talked a little bit about his bullpen usage the la, like last couple weeks. Now there's a lot of people upset about the lineups he was putting out there. He had Nick Williams in in the 10th inning against Shane Bieber. Didn't pinch hit for him. Uh, he had Jake Lamb out there still. He, some of the lineups have been a little baffling, to say the least. Um, you know, I think the way he's been managing the bullpen has been a little bit better. I, I the, the past couple of games, I think guys certain guys just didn't get the job done. But uh, Tony Rooster, at this point, have you had any gripes with the, the lineups or the managing uh, of the team right now?
1: Um, you know, some of the lineups have been um, a little unconventional. Um, but it is early in the season, and you want to get these guys. You know, you don't want to throw them. I mean, there's 162 games. You don't want them to be, you know, worn out by August. And, you know, if you want this team to go far, um, you're going to want, you know, and you don't want guys going into the season, you know, totally cold with no at-bats. So you want to spread out a that at a little bit, especially early in the season. Um, and it is early, so I don't really see. Concerning is now. Um, I do think you should have pinched it for um, Nick Williams the other day in the tenth inning um, against uh, the game that went in the extra innings that they ended up losing two zero. I think they. I, I don't know why they didn't pinch it. Um, but then I think it was Jake Lamb, and he almost hit that home run, didn't
0: he? Yeah. that is Yes. He. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so, you know, he almost hit the home run. So, you know, maybe we're having a different Let's say he hits the home run, the game-time home run, and we're saying, oh, that's a good thing he didn't finish it, right? Right. Um, But coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, You know, it's early in the season. I think it's way too early to be, you know, on this guy's job or lineup. Um, You know, he knows what he's doing. He's a Hall of Fame manager. Um, But, you know, in a few months, if it's the same kind of story, then we can revisit it.
0: Uh, Let's move to the football world here. Uh, Julian Edelman was a little bit of a hot topic of conversation. Uh, He retired from football after failing a physical with the Patriots. Now, I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory. And before we get into his Hall of Fame stuff, because I know that was a big thing, should he be a Hall of Famer or should he not? Uh, A little conspiracy theory here. I don't think he's done with football. I would not be surprised. We saw Gronk retire to, quote-unquote, a former Patriot. I would not be surprised if he teamed up with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay uh because i think he clearly still wanted to play he was talking about changing his number this year and if he didn't fail his physical i think he would still be on the patriots i would not be surprised if tom brady comes calling like hey you know maybe we cuz i don't think antonio brown's going to be back you know you want to come down here to tampa and i think that's another gritty glue guy that they could kind of use he wouldn't have to be the number 1 receiver like he was asked to be up in new england which so i think he could thrive down there in like a slot sort of role. Uh, I think he's going to head back to. I would not be surprised if he heads down to Tampa Bay this season. What do you think?
1: I think he's done, Mitchell. I mean, you know, a lot of times these physicals, they're basic. they're, you know, um, practically just, you know, insurance things. You know, they're kind of, when you say like, oh, this team, you know, has made the trade pending a physical, you know it's pretty much done. So if you're failing a physical, you know, and at his age, um, I really just think he's done. Um, he seemed pretty adamant about retiring too, um, with the whole statement. Anything you know, if he was waiting around and there was speculation about it, then maybe I'd say there's the possibility. But the fact that he was so adamant about retiring, I think he's done. Um, and you know, his production has fallen off, you know, a lot in the last few years. Um, and I just don't think he's enjoying it as much. Um, and so I think he's done. I don't think he's going to go to Tampa Bay.
0: Now, there's some people making case, should he be a Hall of Famer or should he not? I think, you know, he's an extra, he was an excellent player, and there's a thing to be said that, like, yes, in big games, big situations, he made some huge plays, I think. Where did he rank? He, he ranks amongst the top five, I think, in all-time playoff receiving yards Um uh, uh, or was it he catches or something like that? Uh, he, he showed up in big games. He had a huge catch in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, which I get. Uh, my thing with him, though, he was never a top five receiver in the game. Um, the numbers—if you're not—if you're not an all-time top five receiver or whatever—I think a lot of it has to come down with stats too. And the stats overall were not that impressive. And I understand the fact that the Patriots are always up in games, and he's a great blocker. But uh, I, I just don't think if you—if Devin Hester is not in the Hall of Fame yet, then you shouldn't be putting in guys like Julian Edelman. If there's a Hall of Very Good, then he could be in it. I think he's definitely a Patriots Ring of Honor type guy, Uh, but I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. Uh, What do you think on the Edelman Hall of Fame case?
1: Yeah, for me, he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, I think, especially in the last few years, we have kind of dumbed down the requirements. We have lessened the requirements for Hall of Fame. And so we think all of these very good players should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, statistically, Jeremy Macklin played in three less seasons than Julian Edelman, yet he has more yards. Yet Jeremy Macklin, I would say, was an above-average receiver at best. So, well, Edelman will go down in Patriots history, and people remember his name in New England. The fact of the matter is, He was never an elite-level receiver, and while being above average and very good for, you know, his team and stuff, that's not Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer means that you're elevating talent around you, that you're going above and beyond, and you're winning by yourself teams' games. You know, like Calvin Johnson could take over a game. We saw it. We saw him be the only good player on that Lions team, and we saw him play at an elite level. Julian Edelman, we never really saw that. Um, he was very good, but he's not a Hall of Famer.
0: Other NFL news, kind of, a, and uh, this is one was a little puzzling to me. There's been a lot of talk about the Browns being Super Bowl contenders because they just added, drumroll, to Javion Clowney because they're hoping to have a Javion Clowney-Miles Garrett pairing. I think the talk of Super Bowl with this team is ridiculous, especially by adding him uh, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, you know, he, he came out of college as a dominant player, and he's shown some flashes. But to me, there hasn't been enough there to be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to work. Uh, until he proves he can stay healthy uh, and he can be an elite pass rusher once again, which I don't think he will. I don't think it significantly upgrades their defense by that much. Uh, maybe it helps out Miles Garrett a little bit, but I don't think that's the type of move that's going to have you beating the Bills or the Chiefs. So I would pump the brakes on this Super Bowl talk. I mean, yo, know, you look at Clowney's highlight tape. I the, the, the check down on Twitter. They were posting like a highlight after it. They're like, oh, look at what Jadavion Clowney's gonna look like uh, paired next to Miles Garrett. And it was him. He got it like a pass hurry against Drew Locke. He didn't even get the sack because there's that little the, the show from him because he's never on the field. Uh... So I, I, I wouldn't have paid him that much. I think he could have gotten better. I, I would have tried and throw some more money at J.J. Watt. That, I think that would have helped a little bit more. Or maybe trade up and try and draft a pass rusher. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about the move for Cleveland?
1: Now, I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to disagree with you. And here's what. I agree. You know, Jadavian Clowney, you know, he does get hurt a lot. He hasn't, you know, and the elite talent that, you know, he was coming out of high school. Um, are coming out of college. Um, certainly not a first overall pick, um, kind of guy just because he hasn't, he wasn't able to find his rhythm early and then he had injuries and, you know, he's been, um, he went to Seattle, then he was on Tennessee. He didn't really fit in with Tennessee. He was hurt. And so, you know, definitely has not, you know, kind of fully lived up to what everyone thought he could be. Um, and so while he's not an elite, you know, kind of level, while he's not going to, you know, elevate this team, when it comes to postseason play and when it comes to big games, you need, you know, on the defensive line, um, you need guys who are able to make plays, and you need guys who are able to make key plays in key situations. And while he might not be the number one guy, and while he might not be the MVP of the defense, when it comes down, you know, a key third down, and you need to stop, I'd much rather have Jadavion Clowney um, than a lot of other players in this league um, because he has shown that he can make plays. While few and far between, he is, you know, an elite-level kind of guy. You know, he can be an elite-level talent. He has been able to show it, but he still has the ability to make those kind of plays, and you need that if you're going to make a postseason run. So, you know, he might not be... um, You know the big guy. You know he's not the big flashy free agent signing. He's going to turn this defensive around, um, but he doesn't need to be. I think Cleveland has a you know very. I think they already have a playoff roster, and adding this might give them an edge in certain playoff matches, playoff matchups, um, and going down the stretch, he could play a key role in big plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. He he could show up for a play here or there, but if you're looking for like season-long production, I think you're. You're putting a lot of eggs in the Jadavian Clowney basket, and I don't know how reliable that is. If that's going to be, you know, if he's a complimentary piece, like you added someone else, like, in, you know, then maybe, yeah, you, it's like a prove it deal. But like, I think they're they're asking a lot out of a guy that hasn't been on the field. But yeah, no, you're right. The talent is definitely. Well, he
1: is the he is the complimentary piece. Garrett is, you know, the big guy, and you know he doesn't have to play 100 snaps, you know. Yeah. When you have Miles Garrett on the field. You know, you can kind of rotate those guys around. Um, and, you know, like you said, I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl talent. He could be um, because he does—he is very good. Um, but, you know, down the stretch, um, if you need a guy to make a play, you I'd want Jadavian Clowney on the field, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, is there anything else? I mean, yeah, you, that basically covers it. I, we wanted to do our uh, mock draft this week. We're pushing that back. Uh, to next week, so be on the lookout for that. Me and Patrick will have our mock drafts uh, get you set for that. Um, Justin Fields just had his pro day. He looked very impressive against air, so uh, we'll see if he starts getting some buzz. Now that seems what happens after all these pro days. But uh, any final thoughts? Oh, Cordero Patterson just agreed to a one-year, $3 million deal. See, Cordero, sorry, this is a side tangent. Cordero Patterson is a guy I think the Bears should have brought back. He wanted to stay in Chicago. He would have been cheap. You need some weapons. Why not have a great special teams guy? He'd be one of the best returners in the game. To me, that makes no sense. I think that's a good move for the Falcons. You add another a sneaky weapon right there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, For any final thoughts, Patrick, before we let you go?
1: Um, well, I do want to plug, you know, the hottest sports league in America, NASCAR. <laughs> I don't know if you watched it last week. It got, it got moved from Saturday night to Sunday afternoon, which is a total shame because every race that I have, you know, plugged on this show, Daytona, Bristol Dirt,
0: and Martinsville.
1: They have all gotten rained out and moved, um, either to like, 9 o'clock or the next day. Um, and it's really a shame. Um, but there is a race this Sunday at Richmond. It's short track racing. should be a lot of fun. Um, so come on, check it out, um, and it'll be a fun time. It's on Fox, I believe, Sunday afternoon.
0: Who's your free money pick for, for Richmond? You got to... You're not a betting man, but uh, if you had to put your money down on someone, who do you like this weekend?
1: Um, I'm either going to go with the guy who dominated Richmond last year in the playoffs, Brad Keselowski, um, also my favorite driver, or Kyle Busch, who at one point, you know, had a run of five straight wins at Richmond. Um, so either those two, um, Keselowski's kind of been you know waiting for a win um, all the Penske drivers have one he doesn't um, Kyle Bush kind of needs that resurgence um, he's raced pretty well with a new crew chief I think this race could be the one that you know kind of puts him you know in back into that you know contender conversation he has a lot to prove after last year so I think it could be either one of those or Denny Hamlin who has finished in the top five except every time every race except for one race, Um, And so, but he's still chasing that elusive first win of the year. So either one of those three, I can tell you it won't be Bubba Wallace because he is a bum. Um, (laughs) Other than that, that's all I have to say.
0: Well, Pat, thank you for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Uh, Have a
1: good one. Oh, glad to talk about the draft next week.
0: Yes, yes. We're looking forward to that. All right, so there you have it. That's Patrick Cushman right there. Um, we had, uh, you know, interesting comments this week from NBA land, bouncing all around Minnesota, uh, first round draft pick, Anthony Edwards. Um, they, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they just had new ownership. They just got Alex Rodriguez to be the new, uh, owner, um, for the franchise. He bought it with the group. And so (laughs) they asked Anthony Edwards, so they just picked him the first round. Uh, who's a fine player, by the way? He, he's starting to look good. You know, he, I think that's a guy that could develop and he might be able to make a couple all star appearances. Anyway, they ask him, uh, What do you think of Alex Rodriguez being your new owner? And he looks totally aloof. He, he was like, They were like, Were well, you a fan of him? And he's like, What? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Which is, for someone that's supposed to be the future face of your franchise, probably not what you want him saying about the new owner. Like, how do you one, number one? How do you not know who Alex Rodriguez is? Even if you're not a baseball fan, are you living under a rock? He's married to J Lo, so you I mean, is baffling enough. And I don't doubt it because he, this is, type, this is the guy who's very—you know—doesn't read the room very well on what you're supposed to say. They need to do some media training with this guy uh, before the draft. Even they were asking him uh, about his passion, the play, and whatever. And he's like, yeah, "I don't even really watch basketball that much." Is that, if you're a team, do I really want to invest a bunch of money in a guy that really doesn't love the game? doesn't even watch it. You would question the basketball IQ at the very least because he's not watching it above the bare minimum of film he has to do. So that wouldn't strike me, that comment. And you hear that, you'd be like, oh, well, this guy's probably not going home and watching a ton of extra film. And he doesn't even know who the owner... Like, even if you don't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Like, you tell me you didn't go... You, you heard the team just got bought by someone? You're not even, even going to Google him? Like, that, to me, was baffling. That is... That is. I mean, it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. It actually turned out to be... It, it was pretty funny. Um... Uh, so, but hey, come on, man. Uh, that that's that's not a good one. donkey of the day goes to him. Uh, Steph Curry, NBA, you know, a little more NBA. Steph Curry, congratulations, he just passed Will Chamberlain, all-time Warriors leading score. I mean, we saw that coming. He's basically Mister, he's basically Mister Warrior uh, over there. Uh, so that was that was that was fun. That's fun stuff. That's fun to see. Got it done very early, too, first quarter of that game. Um, trying to go, going around sports world. Is there anything else we really want to? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. He is retired, 15-year career. Uh, he was on the Nets, but uh, he he was forced to retire. He had an irregular heartbeat, so he played his final game on Saturday. Uh, but I think, you know what? I think he has nothing to hang his head about. A uh, seven-time All-Star. Uh, that that was a you know obviously not the way you want to go out, but I think he he, he had a remarkable career, and he was a his second overall pick in 2016. Uh, he played with the Trailblazers, Spurs before signing with the Nets. But uh, you know, it's kind of shocking with the abrupt uh, retire abrupt retirement. Uh, but great defender, great, you know, that's a, that, that's a guy that you want on a championship-caliber team. So uh, tip of the cap to you, sir, for a, a, a fine career. What the hell's going on with our Bulls, man? My Bulls, I should say. After that, that Zach Levine trade, or the, the Nikola Vucevic trade, I thought this th- th- these guys were all in. I was like, we're making a playoff push here. And I realized the schedule was tough, so the early results weren't promising, but they just lost to the Magic last night. And I'm so glad I didn't watch that. I chose to watch the White Sox instead. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was terrible. I think starting to think the Magic won the trade there. What the hell was that? And, you know, and but it's not Vucevic's fault either because he's played like solid. I think him and Levine they got a good two way game going. It's just uh, you need a third scorer somewhere. Kobe White's been a little disappointing. Uh, we haven't seen anyone else really step up. Thaddeus Young's been good, but like this is the defense is terrible. They cannot stop. They 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 couldn't stop shit. If it was going through a goose. It's t- it's not good. They got to figure something out uh and fast, because it's not acceptable at this point. The standards have changed, and I'm not saying they need to go on a run, but like the ten spot right now in the play playing game. I mean, you got to do a little bit better than that. I thought this team would at least be gunning for an eight seed, and it has not figured it out. Now I think they're going. I still think they're going in the right direction. I'm not bailing on them yet. Our and B- Billy Donovan—they know what they're doing. So don't don't jump ship yet. But uh, my God, it's uh, it's looking kind of ugly. Um, well, let's see. We just got a Woj thing here. Let's see if it's anything good. Uh, Chicago Bulls All-Stars expected to miss several games after entering the league's health and safety protocol. This just two minutes ago from A.G. Wojnarowski. Ah, figures. Figures. <laughs> I mean, well, they weren't winning with them. I guess they trying to win without them now. But, uh, yeah, that, that is uh, that's tough. That is tough. And with that, I mean, I think that's all we got for you. Kind of a crazy week in sports of sport. Carlos Rodon, congratulations. Thank you for saving the rest of my week. And with that, uh, that's all we got for you. Enjoy the rest of your week.